This episode of the Blackstick Global Podcast is sponsored by Blackstick Global Passport. Join aspiring Black expats, expats, and repats, where you can build community, get resources, and gain support along your journey abroad. You're invited to join Blackstick Global Passport. Inside Passport, you'll find exclusive workshops on everything from expat taxes, financial planning, insurance, job boards, accountability check-ins, and more more. You can even take Passport on the go with our app available for iOS and Android devices. Just click the link in the episode you're listening to or visit blacksitglobal.com and click on Passport. See you inside. Being a digital nomad is all about flexibility. Close your eyes and imagine living a life you love, unapologetic and unbothered, free from daily microaggressions from Karens and Kens, Free from the fear of police brutality and systemic racism. Wouldn't that feel amazing? Now open your eyes. What if I told you that it's possible? Hear inspiring stories and get the actual blueprints from brothers and sisters of the diaspora who are living out their wildest dreams abroad. You've heard the term, now be inspired by the movement. I'm Krishan Wright, and this is Blacksit Global. I am so excited to have this conversation on the Blacksit Global Podcast. I get to have a conversation with someone who is well known in these digital nomad streets and who I have had the pleasure of being on their show. Wanda Duncan is the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. She's also the creator of Black Women Digital Nomad Entrepreneurs Facebook Group, among many other amazing things, which we will get to in this episode. And she's joining us today from, wait a minute, Albania. Welcome to Blacksit Global, Wanda. Thank you so very, very much for inviting me to be on the show. Oh, I'm so excited because when I saw that you were in Malaysia, when we originally started to have these conversations, and then I was like, wait a second, she's in Albania? So (laughs) I want to get to all of that and understand that journey step because your journey is so amazing. But I know you grew up in Illinois, so I want to start there if we could. I just want to understand, were you part of a traveling family or where this desire to pursue a life abroad came from? I am not a part of a traveling family. We didn't go anywhere, but maybe the next state over like once a year. And that was for a conference when I was growing up. So it was never like secular kind of travel. I took my first trip to visit my sister in Florida. And I just remember that being the first time I saw the beach. That was like in my, I don't remember how old I was. I wasn't a teen anymore. I drove all the way down there to visit her. I went to the, and it was one of the beaches you could drive on. And I was just like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. My first flight was from Illinois to Atlanta, Georgia, where I ended up relocating after I graduated. So those were kind of my introductions to, you know, being an adult and being able to take travel into my own hands, so to speak. So I enjoyed it so much. It gave me life to see something different and something new. That's fantastic. So when you made that decision to finally leave, because I know you said you spent some time in Atlanta, what was it that prompted you? Because you saw a lot of beauty in Florida and even that, you know, being in a different environment can unlock and awaken the senses. How was it that you made this decision to leave the States and ultimately journey abroad? There were a bunch of things that were happening in my professional career that were turning me all the way off. And I was like, I don't have to do this. It's going to sound super funny, but it was from a movie, actually. It was from Benjamin Button. And there's this scene, you know, there aging, if you don't know, they're aging backwards. He's aging backwards. He starts off old and he ends up as a baby. And along the way, 
he gets somebody pregnant <laughs> and they have a daughter together, but he's not in the daughter's life because he's aging backwards, like pretty rapidly, but he goes off and he lives his life because I guess that's what men are supposed to do. <laughs> so anyway, he writes, this is so bad. He writes his daughter letters and he's telling her to be unafraid to live. He's saying, start over as many times as you need to. He's saying, do you boo? Like, don't be afraid to, if something is not working for you to put it down and go out there and get what it is that you really want. And the montages of him traveling the world, it's of him brushing his teeth by a body of water with some locals. That movie, like, it gave me permission to let go of the stuff that wasn't working. Work wasn't working. Uh, I worked at CNN for about five years and Atlanta wasn't working. It wasn't just work. I also had some other things that I was doing on my own. I started a company, Asha Live, Breathe, Heal, while I was in Atlanta. And there were some other things that I was interested in doing, but that didn't come until I actually left. So while I was in Atlanta that first time, super implanted, condo, Toyota Camry, job, uh, friends, and I put air quotes on that because they were not my friends, but I didn't know that because... I was young <laughs> and it was, you know, how you have friends by circumstance or whatever. But anyway, like I thought I was good. I, I mean, on the outside looking in, it looked good, but I was not. I was not whole. I was not fulfilled. I was not living up to my potential. And so watched that movie and said, I don't have to do this and I'm not going to do this no more. And I started selling stuff and. I started putting my stuff in storage. Huge mistake. Didn't do that again. <laughs> I tried to rent out my condo that wasn't working so well. It ended up being foreclosed on. I uh, had my Camry parked at a friend's house. And so I went to El Salvador. I was looking online. I think I specifically looked at idealist.org and it's it has a directory of a bunch of uh, nonprofits where they have positions open. Um, and so I found one and applied. I actually wanted to go to Iceland and I had an interview for a job in Iceland because I just hear they had like a really dope artist community there. But El Salvador was calling. So that's where I went. So I packed too much stuff, put that stuff in storage, like I said, had my car parked, all the wrong stuff, <laughs> but I did it. And they were my mistakes to make because they're just some things that you can't protect yourself from in life. And I think that Black women are a bit consumed with that. And I can historically understand why, but honestly, sometimes you just have to make some mistakes and they may cost a little bit, but you have to learn what you need to learn in order to keep moving. So I went to El Salvador. It was dope until it wasn't. And I decided to go to Jamaica and that was dope. Until I had enough money to either pay my change flight fee or to extend my visa. And things were just, they were just getting tight. And it came to that moment. I was teaching yoga and I, I was not supposed to be teaching yoga. I was not certified to teach yoga, but that's what I did in El Salvador too. <laughs> and because I had taken classes or whatever, like religiously. And I was also singing. I was working with a jazz artist there. And what he would do is he would set up a singer and a musician as like background music at different venues. So I had a couple of things going. I even auditioned for The Lion King in Jamaica. I got I got to the second interview, which was really, really dope. But And I buckled. I folded. I was like, uh, I guess I should. I mean, I also had somebody up in my ear. I met a man. <laughs> I met a man. And you know, people without stuff, they're going to tell you to preserve what you have. And so it was like, you need to go back home. You need to get your condo. Da, 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 da. So I went back to Atlanta, married, actually. I got a little tchotchke from Jamaica. So I was married and then was depressed, <laughs> of course, because it wasn't what I really wanted. I was back in Atlanta. I wasn't working at CNN no more. I wasn't making a CNN check no more. I was working at Starbucks and I eventually got a job at a movie theater. Um, I was just trying to find a place to live, trying to integrate back into society. <laughs> and it was awful. It was horrible. It was no good. And I gave, I gave Atlanta another real shot. What I was showing to myself was that 
I trusted and believed in the things that are meant for me, what I was showing myself was I, it, it wasn't me. It was Atlanta. It was America as a system. And that's not what I wanted. So I'm divorced now, <laughs> right? I'm divorced now. I got my stuff together, sold everything, gave it away. I did a deep dive into a lot of the travel blogs. I'm not much of a vlogger, but like watching vlogs, but I got into the blogs. I got into a lot of the groups and just did a whole bunch of research. How are they doing it? How are they sustaining it? How can I do it? How can I make it work for me? I got my trusted house sitters membership. I tried to get some house sits before I left. I had a launch date. I saved aggressively, even though like I was still traveling, I was doing some silly stuff before. I guess I was just living my life. It's fine because <laughs> I still had like a nice chunk of change. It was about 10 grand. And that's within a year that I was able to put that together on a part-time job selling insurance at State Farm. So I also did a bunch of other stuff while, while I was proving to myself that Atlanta wasn't it. Like I got into some music stuff. I got into some an accelerator uh, at Georgia Tech and I was doing this other stuff that was still fulfilling to me. But like she wasn't Atlanta girl, you cute, but no. <laughs> so then I left. It was New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2015. And I've been gone ever since. And things have not always been straightforward in the blog's couldn't prepare me for everything and all the pouring I did on Amazon over buy this or buy that, like all of those products didn't work out. A pair of shoes that was supposed to be like the best walking pair of shoes broke the day I was going to the airport. So it's like, but the house sitting worked out. What worked out was me giving myself space and giving myself a financial runway to be able to explore to be able to breathe, really, to be able to rest, to be able to understand the direction that I that I wanted to go, not what I needed to do because I needed to make money, not what I needed to do because of my culture, because of society, but what Wanda really wanted to be able to do. And that took me from Europe to Asia, and now I'm back in Europe um, in a pandemic. And that's part of why I'm in Europe. So yeah. Wow, that is a lot of journey steps along the way and a lot of powerful life lessons. One about when you make the decision, just just get rid of the things like you can buy more things, <laughs> but leaving it in storage, that is not the move. But what I love about your journey steps and your transformation was that you started to discover what was important to you and what lit you up even though you were able to kind of find those things in different ways and different things that you created while you were in Atlanta the second time, there was, it sounds like, part of your soul that needed to be served and you knew that it would be better served outside of the U.S. So I love that you gave a lot of focused attention to building up your nest egg so that you could have the freedom to then take yourself somewhere else and listen to that internal compass, that internal GPS, that internal calling that we all have, that if we quiet everything else, all of the distractions, take away the things that we feel that we have to do like work, you can really be still and listen and then be guided in the direction of your calling. Speaking of calling, as I mentioned in the intro, you've created what I feel like is such an incredible platform for people, Black women that are digital nomad entrepreneurs like yourself. So when you started in this nomadic life, and I want to have you talk a little bit more about being a digital nomad, because I think there are just like misconceptions about how much you need to move abroad and what equipment and the shoes. I think there's some misconceptions about the digital nomad life because people read an article or see something on the gram 
and paint this romanticized picture. But can you share with me what a day in the life is and why it was so important to create Black women digital nomad entrepreneurs? Being a digital nomad is all about flexibility. And that comes a bunch of different ways. I wasn't even supposed to start in Europe. I was supposed to start in Asia. I had I was trying to get on a plane to get to Japan, but it was during the holidays. And so <laughs> I was flying on a buddy pass. Like a friend had a friend that worked at an airline that got me a discounted ticket or whatever. But those are like, they don't have to honor those. It's not like a real ticket. <laughs> so that's why I ended up in London with a jacket and a scarf and a a hoodie, like that's not London weather clothes, right? But that is indicative of the digital nomad journey. When I left from Malaysia to come to Albania, people are like, why? Like, what's going on? Like, Malaysia told all the visitors to get out. If you're on a visitor visa, you got to go. They had been cool for the whole pandemic year. And you begin to understand. And I think a lot of people are understanding, hopefully more, I don't know, It seems like 2020 never happened for a lot of people. I'm not sure how, but you are at the mercy of another country always and them giving you the grace to honor a visa or not. You have to be flexible when it comes for that. You are not entitled to anything anywhere, anywhere. And you, you, we saw that when a lot of countries closed their borders to Americans, Americans, no Americans allowed. That flexibility has to play in your mind. So when I was leaving Malaysia to come to Albania, I was like, I'm not trying to travel, travel. I would not be leaving if it, if I were able to stay. Where can I go? Where is open to Americans first? And how can I move <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic? So the the that flexibility has helped me personally as well. It's kind of like yoga, like what you do on the mat, you try to take it off the mat. It's about breathing. It's about being still and in the moment. And that's also what was happening whenever I created the Black Women Digital Nomad Entrepreneurs Group. I was in Thailand specifically. And that's where I started to see other Black women who were traveling long-term and who were also doing their own thing online. And I was asking them like, is there something, is there like a resource? And at the time there wasn't. So that's when I decided to create it. I messaged them individually and was like, hey, I have this idea. They're like, yeah, girl, go for it. This is the thing about customer research. (laughs) If you have a business and you're surveying your intended audience, they're always going to be like, yeah, that sounds amazing. But like, are they down for it for real? So I created it anyway. And have watched it blossom and it's taken some time. And I believe it's because it does involve so much nuance. You have black people, you have the woman layer, you also have the online business layer and you have the travel layer. So it's different than just a travel group. It's different than solo female travel. It's different than just groups aimed at digital nomads in general. So with those nuances, I think it impacts how the women in the group show up. I think that we talk nice to each other. (laughs) We speak nicely with each other in the group. Uh, So women are free to ask the questions and share their experiences and so forth and so on. But I do think that it is a special something. And of course, there's me (laughs) and the energy that I bring to the group, right? Um, That's how you, you know, when you join these groups, every group has a different energy because of the person that's leading it, even if it is the same focus. So, yeah. And it's just, it's been dope. It's been four years now. I created it in 2017, I think, the spring of 2017. And it has, we just crossed 2000 members like this week. So that's really, really dope. I think that it's the responsible, for me, it is the responsible focus for encouraging Black women to travel. Uh, I don't want you to just take a vacation so that you can have some relief and then go back to the toxic environment that you're trying to escape from in the first place. What What the aim is, is to try to help you to create a life where you enjoy your days, where you are not tolerated, where you're able to celebrate yourself and maybe find a community that will celebrate you with yourself 
in addition to yourself, but they're still the yourself. I'm always pointing you back to you because everything comes from you personally, your business, um, the the type of life that you envision yourself living, the way you um, nomad. So it has been fantastic to meet so many women and for us to have different expressions, but to have kind of the same goal at heart, which is a bit more freedom, right? And the ability to own more of ourselves and own more of our time. That's fantastic. And I'm a member of the group and can definitely vouch for the energy that you bring and the programming and all of the things that you know, you cultivate within the group as well as the members and their support of one another. So help me with this. I'm going to ask you a chicken or the egg question. So what came first? Was it the International Black Women Travel Jubilee or the Black Women Travel Podcast? So it was kind of both. (laughs) So after... (laughs) After creating the group, I was like, we want, I want us to get together. So there was a little event that I put up called the Gathering of Giants. And I do not remember when that was, but whoever I was at the time, I was not ready to execute that. And so that never happened. And I can't even find it anywhere, Gathering of Giants, um, because I've switched laptops and everything since then. So, so what, what happened with the group is it was, it was, it was dormant for quite some time, actually. The, the elements weren't quite syncing up. They, it, was, it was a little quiet in there, you know? And what happened was the podcast, I had had it on my mind for some time and finally launched it uh, two years ago. That would be 2019, summer of 2019. It's been a weekly episode ever since. And that sparked the joy back into me, being able to talk to the women in my group. That's where I started the interviews was in my group and get to know them better and tell their stories and share all of that. So then because I'm excited and I like to start stuff, apparently (laughs) that's, that's when the international black women travel Jubilee came about. I was like, Oh, this is so dope. Let's get together. You know, we have this focus of creating content and traveling some of us long-term and some of us also want to work online and be digital nomads. Let's get together. Let's share. There's so much experience between all of us. Let's just, let's do, let's go to Rwanda. At first I was thinking like, you're, I was like, I'm always strategic. Even for my birthday, I'm like, okay, we're somewhere people can afford. So like when it came to that, I was like, okay, we're in the middle of the map. <laughs> if you got people from America and some from, you know, Australia, and then of course you got Europe, uh, Western Europe, like, so I changed it to Rwanda because I wanted to be black as H-E double hockey sticks. And, you know, 2020 happened. So we weren't able to do that. But but the focus was a continuation of the mission with black women, digital nomad entrepreneurs, because some some groups or some travel focuses encourage you to travel, but they don't talk about the money necessarily. They don't talk about it deeply. They don't talk about it constantly. It's just like, hey, you should travel more. You should travel. You should get your passport. You should travel. You should take an extended trip. You should work remotely. You should do this. But they don't they don't dig as much into the money. And for Black women, from my perspective, that is the focus. Because it's like, how am I going to sustain myself? Am I going to be homeless abroad? So that's also the intention of the conference was to talk about the money to talk about who you need to be and how you need to shift within yourself to allow yourself to even recognize the possibility exists that this is for you. Like you can do this too. And it's so accessible to all of us. That's why it was really important to me to have speakers that look just like you, who who have had a path similar to you and not necessarily the six figure chicks or the ones with a huge following, but ladies who are right next to you in the trenches who are doing exactly what you're trying to do. And it was really dope to, I believe it was nine sponsors and partners I was able to get for the event last year and pay my speakers, which was also super important. I didn't want a free event because energy and exchange, they needed to know that they were valuable as as speakers. They needed to know their expertise was valuable as speakers, but the, the folks attending also needed to put a value on that experience that they were learning, right? 
I ain't never heard any other conference have to explain why their tickets have a price. Why shouldn't you charge? Right. But there's also this thing in me of like accessibility. I want it to be accessible. And there are a lot of things that I do for free. And so but that's part of my own, you know, stuff mixed in there with trying to be of service to the community. Yeah, I firmly believe that those that pay, pay attention. So if you have the intention of wanting to live this life abroad, of wanting to know how to save money to fuel your pursuits, to how to create, whether it's an online business or some type of freelance endeavor, it's going to save you time, energy, and effort to pay the money to be in that community, to make those networking connections, to get the knowledge that you need. And that saves you time from searching on Google, asking random questions in Facebook posts, or looking at Twitter and trying to stitch it all together because you're going to get conflicting information. It's going to waste valuable time. And again, I think one of the things that you really, really nailed here is the mindset shift happens first, of course, always going back to you as an individual, but the mindset shift happens when you're in a collective environment with other people. And so if you're around millionaires, if you're around four millionaires, you're going to be the fifth, right? It just is how things work. So if you want to start an online business, you don't have to, you know, repeat what someone else did you know, but you can be in the space and learn and ask those questions that you need to have answered to get you into that space so you can create something that will blossom. And so that's what I love about being able to create and cultivate a community with intention that enables other people to reach their best and highest self. So I love this. So talk to me about, you talked a little bit about Albania. I want to bring it back a little bit. You went from Malaysia and obviously now because of the pandemic, you are in Albania. What has your experience been thus far? So it has been three months. I've been in my apartment for two. My experience has been very different from anywhere else that I have slow traveled to. So not like the rest of Europe (laughs) at all. Uh, Specifically, I was in Ireland and the UK, France, Spain, and Italy for just a little bit. Um, And it's certainly nothing like Asia, Southeast Asia, where I was. I was in Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, and Indonesia with like a super short stint in Hong Kong. The difference is, is the culture. Like the people are always going to make up the difference and like the politics and where they stand in earning power and all that kind of stuff that weighs on a society. So when I showed up, I was just like, I'd done my research. I joined the groups. I'm, I'm, a, I'm looking for information or what have you. Everybody's like, when you get there, just ask around. Albanians are so nice. It'll be super easy to find a place. And that's not exactly what I found. <laughs> That was the hardest part, but for me, it's the most important because I I have work to do, child. <laughs> I got a community to manage. I have this podcast to put out. I have the conference to plan for. And, you know, I just need to be settled in and of myself. I'm making a continental move unexpectedly. So there was a lot of holding it together that I that I had been doing. I'd been holding it together because things were too hot and I could not sit in how hot they were because I had things to do when it came to leaving Malaysia and how quick it happened. I found out on a Friday, they had put the notice out on a Monday that I needed to leave by next Wednesday. And I had everything in the world planned. (laughs) You know, I have appointments on my calendar and folks I got to follow up with and like life to live. So it was a huge adjustment. So getting here, I needed to be able to decompress. And I did not have that space for about a month because I was just looking. And that took me from the capital five hours south. I think it's five. It was five hours on the bus. (laughs) I don't know how long it is normally. But uh, to a coastal town called Saranda, I had 
met somebody online. They were super nice. They put me in touch with somebody else who supposedly had a space. I show up. It's their mama. Their mama said their sister's coming, so I can't have the space. He lives in the same house with her. I'd been into commercials up until that point <laughs> in Tirana, so I made a little bread, and one of them is for a company everybody knows. I can't wait to share that. And I, I did a Q&A maybe two weeks ago to talk about this with my community because everybody's like super curious about Albania. Ain't nobody asked me nothing about Malaysia, but everybody's super, I don't know why. They must have known it was hot already. <laughs> but, but they were super curious about Albania. So I'm in Saranda, that coastal town. I'm crestfallen. Again, I cannot fall apart. Again, I'm on Facebook trusting a stranger and end up meeting this dude. And he's like, yeah, actually, I'm here right now visiting because he lived in another town outside of Tirana. So he's like, just roll with me. And I'm like, OK, because what else? What choice do I got right now? <laughs> and he's like, I could, I think I can find you something. He's like, you can stay with me again, trusting a stranger, black women. I don't know how many do this and maybe they just don't talk about it, but he was fine um, and really nice and helped me to find my current apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and it took that to find a place. It's not that they don't post places online, you know, like the equivalent of Craigslist or like a, you know, places where people post the stuff that they have. There's also a group, but what it is, is like they, after that money, they are charging three, four times the price for places that they themselves don't pay that much for. And someone would rather make that money quick during the high season, which is the summer, even if it is a long-term rental, they would rather make that money quick than rent it to you long-term. So that's what it was. I'm on a budget as well. So finding just finding something in my budget. And then a lot of the, the posts that I, I was finding on these different websites where people post their places were from real estate agents. And a lot of them were already taken. So they're just up there... <laughs> And like not even available. And then there's also the language barrier. So like everybody think everybody speaks English everywhere. And I'm here to tell you, no, ma'am, <laughs> Pam, or no, sir, at all. So like I would try to contact somebody and they would just like hang up or <laughs> they just like wouldn't respond because it's just like English. I don't do that. It was it was a challenge. The food is bomb. Um, and Asia is a rice and noodle kind of situation. And not that it's not lovely, but here I got fresh salads and I'm a vegetarian and I've been eating olives like every day and cheese every day. Asia, they also don't do cheese and quinoa and chia seeds and just like <laughs> the, the, the healthy, the quote unquote healthy stuff I've been indoctrinated to incorporate into my diet. I've been hypnotized. It's hot. It is over 100 degrees. So I went from a sweaty armpit to the frying pan. I don't know how else to explain it. What do they say? Out of the out of the something into something else. It's hot. And I've had it. And in Malaysia, my hair was dry. My scalp was dry. Um, my skin, I started developing eczema. And then I came here. And at first it was the weather was lovely. Like I felt a chill and a nip in the air and I was excited and thrilled. And then it wasn't that anymore. And <laughs> I started getting lethargic and, oh, why is it so hot? And why, I don't want a hot girl summer. I want a mild lady winter or fall or whatever. Winter as well. I don't know if I could deal with cold. Apparently it gets cold here. How are the people? I guess they're nice. I don't know what that means really because they don't speak first. In black culture, you speak first and that's considered appropriate. So they don't do that. And it's not that I don't think they're nice, but <laughs> it's like, how are you nice? When I was in Tirana in the capital, there was one lady and she had lived in America. And you know, clearly I'm foreign. <laughs> Cause there's there's some black people here, but they're not Albanian black that that hasn't infiltrated so much here yet. She was at a with fruit stands and vegetable stands or whatever. They're super common and like pretty much everywhere, which I love. And 
she noticed me and like had this surprise look on her face and you could tell she wanted to talk. And so she started talking and just saying how she missed her coworkers and her children are there and don't nobody keep in touch with her. Girl, she pouring her heart out, right? So like that was friendly. They have a walking culture. So when I was in Tirana, everybody was walking everywhere. I guess it's kind of common for bigger cities that are walkable. So it is walkable. Um, but in the evening, everybody takes like a stroll in the smaller town where I am, they even like cut off the street so nobody can drive on it. So people can walk in the evenings together. It's very segregated. So men hang out at the cafes, they smoking, they drinking, they little espressos and it's only espresso. Uh, the cafes don't really have menus, Try a, a latte. I tried to get a latte one time. They served it to me lukewarm with a straw. <laughs> I guess they were like, oh, this five-year-old kid wants, <laughs> she can't take her espresso. So you roll up to a cafe, there's huge cafe culture. You roll up to a cafe, you just order the couple things you know they probably have because I don't know what else they have because they don't have a menu. <laughs> Everybody's pretty quiet. They're not like a robust loud. They're not an expression full people. Their faces are blank. <laughs> Their gestures are non-existent. They're giving me nothing. <laughs> I've been, I've gotten a little, you know, a little notice here and there on the street as I'm sashaying. But overall, they're just like not about that. And apparently, like between men and women, it's a thing. If they see you with a dude, then they think y'all are married or about to get married. Um, but like people don't just hang out like that. So I'm like, well, how do people meet? And also, where are the women? <laughs> because they're not at the cafe. So the cafes is just a bunch of dudes, a bunch of dudes. And when I was hanging out with my friend, like it was fine, but I don't ever go to one of them by myself because why would I? And you can't make a latte. So, <laughs> or at least I haven't found a place where they can. But there's a huge honor culture with the family and like preserving the honor of the family. And communism hit here. So people who are about 30 years old now were born when communism ended, but communism lasted for about 40 years, I think. So I think that in some way, shape or form impacts you know, because that's their parents who were used to queuing up for bread and like not being able to own property. There are some benefits that happen, like the literacy rate increased and women were also able to be educated, which I don't think that existed before. Don't quote me on that. Not a historian. Produce tastes so good. And I, I don't know why it tastes so good. Uh, watermelon season is in full effect. Watermelon and self-care is my new thing. <laughs> uh, strawberry season was dope. Cherry season was dope. Fresh cheese is amazing. Uh, there's quite a bit of Italian influence. Uh, Albania is not a rich country. It's been run through by pretty much everybody. That's why there are Muslims here. It's supposed to be Muslim majority, but I think it's more because under communism, you can't practice religion. So there are Muslims here. And I think they call themselves Muslims, but do they Ramadan fast? I don't think so. And they drink because they at the cafes. Okay. Thank you for painting the picture of what your experience has been thus far. So with all of that said, how long do you think you will continue to remain in Albania? And what do you think is the next journey step for you countrywide? So Albania was a strategic move. Americans get a year here, no questions asked, no paperwork. You could stay for a year. Apparently, like America helped Albania clean up their government. Laugh out loud, because girl, how? <laughs> but there was a lot of corruption and like, people being bought out and stuff like that. So I think that's part of why I'm sure there's a bigger reason. But anyway, it's a strategic move. I do not want to be out in these streets. In fact, with the pandemic, like now Delta has hit, the numbers are steadily rising because I told you, familial culture, they pass and then left and right touching. And of course they wasn't wearing no type of masks, even when there was a mask mandate. For the majority, there were a few people who believe in science. <laughs> so... I see myself staying here 
for the year is a strategic move until I can see things calming down. In terms of next, the other country that popped up on my radar over the last year, not the last year, over the few months since I've had to move, <laughs> was Georgia. They were open to America, Americans. They also give a year visa. And it's also supposed to be like the birth of wine. And I like wine <laughs> a lot. So it's definitely on my list. Anywhere other than that, I'm not super sure because I don't know how the world is going to fall apart tomorrow. But with the details I have right now, like I'm just trying to hunker down and trying to stay safe because I haven't been able to get the vaccine. I heard a couple folks were able to slip through here in Albania. They aren't openly saying anybody can come and get it. They were reserving it specifically for residents, which means like tax paying citizens. Um, if you get that type of visa or whatever or obviously if you're Albanian, but I've heard a few people be able to slip through and all you needed was a phone number and a passport. Uh, I haven't tried that because I don't even know if they're doing vaccines in my town. So I'd have to like go to the city or whatever, or whatever. So basically I'm out here super exposed <laughs> and I'm just trying to stay safe because I don't know if anybody would even bother to ship my body home, which that's an important thing for travelers to think about. If you have your contacts set up correctly, if you disappear and nobody hears from you, who is going to know who to contact whomst? The people who love you, the people who you love and you want to know about what's going on with you. They need to know how to get in touch with whomever, whether it's a Airbnb host or a hostel or hotel, whatever it is, in case something happens to you while you're abroad. So it's just part of the planning. Like, hey, if you don't hear from me in this kind of way in this many days, reach out to this person and whatever, whatever type of thing. Wow, that's great advice. So that is, it sounds like that's something that you make sure you pay attention to with every journey step. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't practice that. I, yeah, <laughs> I should, but I actually don't because I don't have people like that in my life, really. Um, I have, a person receiving my mail for me and like we're friends, but like, uh, I don't really have that in place. I'm just, if anybody cared, I, I'm sure something would happen, but I don't care. So <laughs> I'm, I'm living my life. I'm doing what I need to be doing for me. So it's not my business after I die pretty much is my take on it, I guess is what I've concluded. <laughs> well, I think you said a few things that is really important because, you know, just like every individual is different, every familial situation is different. Still recognize the importance for people to think about those things, even if it doesn't apply to you. And I will say as someone who really genuinely appreciates you and respects everything that you do in the community, I know you're absence would create such a huge void. So do feel like even though your family of origin may not be accessible, that you do have people in the community that love and support you and would definitely be that, you know, touch base if you felt like you needed to have that. I want to get to one more thing before we wrap, because you did talk about going from Albania to possibly going to Georgia. How do you, as a digital nomad, approach that whole preparation stage, specifically as it relates to something that we talked about earlier, which is finances, because currencies differ and you are in a country that is on a different currency system than the country that you left. So how do you approach that in terms of thinking about your budget and how much things cost and then you know, just step me through that a little bit. So again, it's like flexibility. When I was leaving Malaysia, people are like, how do you move and this and that? As a digital nomad and as one who doesn't have a home base, like I haven't found a country where I for real want to live, live. There's always this mindset of take what you can pack, leave what you can't and move. So it's not a mindset of, oh, I got to relocate. That's different than I'm going to stay somewhere because a year like everybody's like, well, it's about to be Christmas, you know, like <laughs> where did the year go? So like a year is really kind of a drop in a bucket, you know, really. So when I approach 
switching countries, a lot of people are concerned with the logistics. You're basically looking for a place to live. Once you figure out a place to live, all the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. It also depends on what kind of traveler you are and standing in that. If you are a person who's interested in aesthetics, it's going to take a little bit more for you possibly to find a place that's suitable for you. Maybe. It depends on what the market is. And that's the other thing. It's like there are a lot of things that are outside of your control. What kind of market exists when you're going to move to the place will determine what kind and the quality and like the amount of apartments that are available for you to rent. I typically, since I'm a slow traveler, I look for at least monthly rentals. I've signed leases in Malaysia. I had to because they didn't have a month to month market. Thailand, super easy. You could do month to month easily. Uh, Vietnam was the same. Indonesia was the same. And here has been easy once I got this place. It's just a month to month, but there's no like official contract. But also like there are different things. People rent differently. Albania is the only place where I've rented where I was asking him like, so if anything breaks, like what happens? He's like, well, you pay for it. I think it's the same way around the world. And it's just like, clearly you haven't traveled because <laughs> no, where they do that at? I'm not trying to buy a whole fridge, child, no. <laughs> so, but those are questions that you ask, like who's responsible for what? Are we signing an official contract? You know, what's the monthly rate? Usually it's going to be in local currency because I think you'd have to go to the bank if you even wanted to get USD. A lot of people are concerned about bank accounts. I recommend Charles Schwab every day of the week. I've had a card expire while I've been traveling. I think it's going to happen next year. My card is going to expire again and they get it to you super quick a while abroad. No questions asked, like easy. And I'm able to use that around the world and the exchange rate is dope and as well as no fees at the ATMs. The ATM will charge a fee, but they refund it back to you every single time. I've never had a problem with that. And it's accepted, like I said, everywhere. So that's been extremely easy to travel with. I've never needed a local bank with that ATM card. So if I need to move money, do that online, of course, for free, because it's two American accounts and just access the cash that I need to access. So that's pretty much how it goes. You choose the country, you choose the city, you get to poking around to look for accommodation and try to figure out about how much that's charged. Like I said, Albania being different, prices weren't so upfront. They're like, well, how much do you have versus like, this is how much it is because they're trying to get as much money as they can, right? <laughs> but typically, other there are even the Facebook marketplace those are set up in various cities in various countries. So the marketplace is where people post either their entire property or just a room or like whatever it is with the price. So you're easily able to see like what it is. And then aside from that, it just depends on, do you want to do the tourist stuff? Does the tourist stuff cost money? What kind of food do you like to eat? Do you like to cook? Do, is the food you like to cook expensive in that place? So if you try to eat like American stuff, like if I'm trying to I'm trying to eat quinoa or chia like in Indonesia, it's going to cost me way more than it does here where it's less expensive, <laughs> where it's more of a normal fare. So if you're eating local, that's always going to be less expensive than the food that they have to import. Right. And then you're pretty much set up, really. Usually the bills always stay in the owner's name. So you're never putting that in your name, even if you do sign a lease. You have to translate the bill, but you usually just, you know, you, you pay your bills, you wash your dishes, you know, <laughs> and that I think logistic wise, those are the things. And of course, there's the added layers now, which is like super wide. I understand people want to travel because you got to understand if places are open. What if you do contact COVID and you test positive while you're traveling? How are you going to leave and all this other stuff? So a, a few more logistics are added now. Do you need the PCR test? Do you need the vaccine? Will they let you inside if you don't have a vaccine? That type of stuff. But other than that, I mean, th those are the basics. Find a place to live. Usually people like get a hotel or maybe an Airbnb or whatever it is and scout around a little bit to figure out like 
where they want to go. And you get tired of that pretty quickly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then sometimes people, they, what do they call it? Hotel baiting, where they show you super nice pictures. I mean, that can happen. But yeah, those those are the basics of being flexible in your mind. Thank you for stepping us through that. I'm excited for you because I want to see and watch how the rest of the time that you have in Albania unfolds for you, and particularly how you navigate winter and whether or not Georgia ends up being your next temporary home. Because I have been hearing a lot of good things about Georgia. Wanda, this has been a pleasure and I have laughed. I know you guys haven't heard it as I've been on mute. I laughed so hard. I just love chatting with you and being able to, to get to know you better. For people who are listening and want to connect with you, what's the best way to do so? I would love for you to reach out to me. The best place to do so would be to head to Black Women Travel and travel is spelled T-R-A-V-L. So Black Women travl.com and see how you want to get involved. From there, you can get to the Facebook group. From there, you can check out the conference. From there, you can also check out the Black Women Travel podcast. Um, And then my contact info is also there. So you can join the newsletter. I send one out every week. You can check out my videos on YouTube as well. So however you want to get involved, you know, just uh, reach out. I'm out there. Yes, and you will be so happy that you did. So Wanda, it has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest on the Black Sick Global podcast and also being in your group and just seeing all the fabulous things that you do to support the Black women who travel, who are digital nomads, entrepreneurs, who are all the things. Definitely, definitely appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you kindly. And also congrats to you. You were my hundredth episode and you just celebrated one year of podcasting and your group as well is just like thriving beyond like you're well over 2000. So congrats to you for creating this platform, for making spaces for us to have more of these conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Blacksit Global Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to visit our website at blacksitglobal.com. It's not only possible to live out your dreams unbothered and in full color, it is your birthright. Are you trying to sort out health plans, banking, VPN, and other connectivity for your move abroad? Well, have no fear. We've got you with the Move Abroad Starter Kit. Get yours today at blacksitglobal.com resources. That's blacksitglobal.com resources.